and we'll go ahead and get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together this morning. I thank you for your word that is a a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I just pray that we would walk in that light each moment of our lives as we navigate our way through this world that is uh, so dark and deceptive. We thank you that we have the truth in your word and that Jesus Christ is the truth who offers salvation to us through trusting in his shed blood. And I just uh, thank you for that salvation. I thank you for the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ and and, uh, just pray that you would be with our time this morning, that it would be honoring and pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we will go ahead and get started with a few articles that are very timely uh, for our revelation study at any rate doesn't uh, completely go with proverbs exactly perfectly but it pretty close to perfectly goes together with uh, revelation 17 and 18 in our study of babylon and the coming world government this one really isn't an article uh, so much as it is a, uh, what would you call it, kind of like a blog post or a, an essay of sorts, right from the UN United Nations website. Uh, the website is unglobalcompact.org if you want to look it up. They wrote this on March 15th of 2022. And I've I've heard this term transformational governance. I don't know, may, perhaps you have as well, and and had sort of a vague idea of what it actually is, but didn't wouldn't have been able to exactly define uh, what it is. So this is something that we all need to be aware of that's going on in the world today. And it's not like it just started in uh, 2020 when Joe Biden was uh, installed into office. Uh, this has been going on for quite a quite a long time. And we, however, are privileged, I think, privileged to, it sure seems like at any rate, the the prophecies of the Bible are coming together right right before our eyes to say that it's stage setting is rather obvious i mean we are we are it would seem we're getting very close to the to the curtain going up on this whole whole thing as is evidenced by this term transformational governance and this and the object of the united nations in general so here's what they have to say in defining transformational governance for us. Uh, In the face of converging crises, including COVID-19, keep all these these crises in in mind here, COVID-19, climate change, economic uncertainty, social inequality, and rising disinformation, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has called for a reimagined social contract to address the world's most pressing challenges. Business 
has an important role to play by promoting ethical leadership and building trust between public and private institutions and in these institutions by civil society. Through transformational governance, this vision can be translated into business action. Now, one of the points that's important to realize is that our left-wing media likes to characterize anybody uh, right of center. Well, that's not necessarily true. Okay, anybody that's more than a centrist right person as a fascist, as a Nazi. Uh, and that's, that is a misnomer that, that we need to understand that fascism is like extreme right on the political spectrum. That, that is not... That is not true. Uh, that is a, a false uh, idea that is purported by people on the left. Fascism is the coming together of business and government to essentially control the people. That, that's always the goal of, of, uh, of governments in general evil governments at any rate, is to control the people. And the best way, perhaps, the best way to control people is to control what they buy, what they, how, if they can even sell anything. But it, it is for business and government to come together and be able to control people. So notice again what he says, business has an important role to play in furthering this UN agenda. And the UN, the United Nations, is the ultimate government. (laughs) Uh, Article goes on. In recent years, there has been a dramatic increase in public support for laws requiring companies to work for a better society. Did you know that? Did you realize that, that there's been this dramatic call for businesses to improve society? and increasing expectations for CEOs to speak up and act on a broad range of issues. Transformational governance provides a framework to address these rising stakeholder and shareholder expectations by adopting a broader approach to the G, governance of uh, in ESG. That's another acronym that we need to be goes right hand in hand with this idea of transformational governance. ESG, environmental social governance is what that stands for. So there you have it. There is the coming together of religion and state, and they're going to use the climate to do it, the environment. Environmental social, there's your religion. Our religion is not... Uh, in, in these people's religion is not uh, trust in Christ for the salvation of your soul. God has been completely eradicated. Their religion is humanism, which eventually morphs its way into paganism. And, and so the religion of today is whatever the current thing is, whether it be homosexual rights, transgenderism, Black Lives Matter, the war in Ukraine, COVID, wear a mask, this, that, or the other thing. It's what that building that better society. So did you ever wonder why 
companies, quote unquote, go woke. Here you have it. And it goes on uh, from here. Transformational governance is a principles-based philosophy, not a new legal concept. Yeah, we don't want to have ourselves be governed by laws. We want to be governed by philosophy, right? That calls on business to be more accountable, ethical, inclusive, and transparent to drive responsible business conduct, improve ESG performance, uh, and strengthen public institutions, laws, and system. This means fostering a culture of integrity, fairness, and inclusion beyond legal formality. So there you go again. This is, this is ah, laws. That's so... 2000. We don't need laws anymore. We just need this philosophy and we're, we're just so beyond actual laws. Asking not just what is legal, but what is right. Peace, justice, and strong institutions are essential elements of governance that bind business to the communities to which they, in which they operate and serve. Businesses being uh, peace, justice, and strong institutions. Uh, So this is going to promote trust between private and public institutions and trust in those institutions by civil society. This framework was informed by 14 country consultations and interviews with more than 60 business leaders leading to commitments by 1,300 CEOs from 100-plus countries in a statement from business leaders for renewed global cooperation. The coming together, the merging of business and government with uh, social issues kind of being the, the religion, if you will. So think of Revelation 17, and we have obviously a government that it has control over people. We haven't really gotten to the economic aspects of it. We'll see more of that in Revelation 18. But total can we have seen in Revelation already total control over the economy. If you don't have the mark of the beast, you can't buy or sell. And that means complete control over business and the economy. And oh by the way, we'll throw in religion as well, all merged into one, well, just use the Bible, the biblical term, beast, that devours the entire, the entire world. We're, I'm not saying that this is it, that the tribulation will start tomorrow. I'm saying the world is headed on a bullet train into this, and the framework is already, is already here for this for this to happen. Uh, working with partners across business, the UN system, civil society, and academia, businesses will be guided to adopt a holistic approach to transformational governance. By 2024, we aim to develop this emerging concept by encouraging as many UN global compact participant companies to take action on Uh, this uh, treaty that they have both internally and externally engage in thought leadership on transformational governance connected to corporate sustainable and global governance demonstrate bold leadership on strengthening global cooperation and inclusive multilateralism 
So why do businesses uh, do all of the things that they're that they are doing? Well, the folks that fund them, the uh, are giving them the money and saying, "Have a COVID vaccine policy. Have uh, make your employees wear pronoun badges. Make them wear rainbow flags, or you don't get the money." And so they're they're sort of forced to do this in a way. I think a lot of them want to do it. But here's a couple examples for you of this very thing, this very uh, kind of subtle coming together of the businesses following what these government agencies, UN agencies, and the, the people who are funding them are telling them what to do. Uh, and this is from, is it Russia Times, Russia Today? Russia Today is the article, is the uh, news source. Uh, you know, this is Russia Today, just straight propaganda from, uh, depending on who you're uh, asking. However, they do have some pretty good information about various uh, topics that we certainly don't see here in America. Uh, this article is dated September 28th. Airlines, airline bans gender-neutral uniforms on World Cup flight. Uh, so if you're not aware, the, the soccer World Cup, I think, starts today, maybe, in Qatar, uh, which is in the Middle East, which, you know, they're not super uh, friendly, <laughs> To say the least, to the to the uh, homosexual, transgenderism, all of those kinds of things. So, uh, this is Virgin Atlantic is the the airline. They're based in England, and they have a policy where essentially the uh, crew members can wear whatever uniform they want to wear. Uh, thankfully, a Airline to not be named hasn't gone that far yet. Uh, Virgin Atlantic reversed its gender-neutral uniform policy for cabin crew flying the England team to the World Cup in Qatar, although the squad still flew aboard the airline's gay pride jet. Cross-dressing will only be allowed on flights to more accepting countries, the airline said. Uh... England's squad touched down in Doha on Tuesday on a specifically, specially chartered Virgin Atlantic flight from Birmingham. For this one-off flight, uh, the airline told several British media outlets that it suspended its gender identity policy and instructed crew members to dress in the appropriate uniform for their gender. So that I found that language kind of interesting. So you admit that there's an appropriate uniform for their gender. uh. Virgin Atlantic updated its gender identity policy in September, allowing male flight attendants to wear female uniforms and vice versa. Staff were also given the option of wearing pronoun badges and subjected to mandatory inclusivity training, according to a press release. So they're they're just simply implementing what the UN uh, in their transformational governance idea is telling them to do. Despite the policy walk back, the England team still flew to Doha aboard the 
rainbow, an Airbus A350, which is a gigantic airplane, bearing the image of a flying man in rainbow-colored sneakers holding a Union Jack. Ugh. I don't have a picture of that. I should have got one of those. The UK is not the only country bringing a pro-LGBT message in Qatar, with the US modifying its team crest to incorporate the colors of the gay pride flag. So there you have the United States for article number three, I guess, this morning. Uh, uh, November 14th, 2022, this one is. The United States, USA reveals LGBT-themed crest ahead of FIFA World Cup. The United States men's national team crest has been temporarily redesigned from its prior red, white, and blue colors to instead incorporate a rainbow design in a move designed to show solidarity with LGBT issues ahead of the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. However, the new crest won't be displayed on the team's jerseys, but rather at its training facility at Al Garafa SC Stadium in Arrayan. Uh, uh, yes, the, the tournament does kick off today, and that's all we have for that. But I, that just that makes my heart hurt seeing that personally. It's uh, very. Uh, very unfortunate that we're going down this road, I guess not completely surprising, but it fits exactly with, you know, there isn't an exception in, uh, in Revelation, all the countries of the world except the United States go against Israel and uh, are in fact join in this war against God that we'll probably get to next time in Revelation. Uh, no, it's everybody. We would we have the tendency in America maybe to like to think that we are the exception, but unfortunately, we are not. And so, you know, we see these things happening. Uh, we see this transformational governance, and it just seems like, yeah, this is this is happening, and it certainly matches with Revelation, and we can so easily. I guess I'll speak for myself. I can so easily be overwhelmed by this and just kind of think, you know, well, what's the point? What what are we supposed to do? How can I possibly stop this from happening when it's becoming more and more obvious that it's not going to stop? It's only getting worse. Whoever is in office, you know, things didn't dramatic take a dramatic U-turn in terms of the morality of the country and our uh, the continuation down this road when in 2016 when Trump was elected it, it, we didn't reverse course and now all of a sudden we're a godly nation and you know oh we want nothing to do with this it sort of just seemed to progress the world certainly progressed down this line so. And now, of course, it's even, it's monumentally worse. So what do we, you know, what's the point? Why, I, how do we stop this? And I think the answer is that, well, we're, we're not going to stop it, uh, unfortunately, uh, for 
us in the world. We can certainly delay it. I think it's still very important to participate in government, to participate in uh, elections and these kinds of things. And if you can run for office, do it and make a difference, particularly at the local and state level, certainly. Uh, but for little old you and me, uh, I think that's the point. I think that's always been the point. Even from the time of, of Paul and Christ and the apostles, you know, we're, on the same, we're on the same earth, on the same path. And God doesn't want us to be uh, earthlings. He wants us to be heavenly-minded. And we should count it a privilege to be living in a world that it's so obviously uh, on this path and on this track because it makes our duty as Christians even more obvious in the things that we should be doing, raising our children for the Lord, uh, being a light in this dark world, uh, giving the gospel to people, discipling people. That's what we need to be about in the face of this uh, unstoppable move towards one world government. And so with that, let's get into Proverbs for a few minutes anyway. Maybe we'll uh, make it through one, another one of our slides in this section of Proverbs chapter 2, uh, verses 9 through 22, uh, a very important uh, proverb, the blessing of obedience part 2. And last time we looked at this idea of discernment and discretion entering into uh, the heart of the believer, if you will, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 1 through 8, essentially saying that if you go to the Lord for wisdom, he will give it to you, is the essential message. Proverbs 2, 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you. And so you will, the statement there is, if you go to the fountain, the fountain of knowledge and wisdom that is the Lord, you will, he will give it to you and you will have discernment. You'll be able to pay attention to the things going on around you in the world, like transformational governance, and you'll be able to, to recognize it when it's, when it's happening. You will understand godly behavior. You'll understand uh, correct outcomes to issues, justice. You'll understand the idea of equal opportunity, treating people that way with equity, whoever they may be. And wisdom enters your heart. Knowledge is pleasant to you. The inner man is changed. We can now obey the Lord uh, for good, essentially. You know, like we mentioned last time, anybody can do, it, the worst person can do a quote-unquote good deed, but that, does, that is of no value to them before the Lord. As a believer, now that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you can actually do good things that accomplish things for the Lord. You can, as Jesus put it in John 15, you can bear fruit as you're abiding in the Lord. 
we saw that, that this uh, idea of walking with the Lord and being saved by the Lord, by trusting in him, that's not just a, uh, that's not a New Testament idea. That is from the Old Testament as Jesus taught Nicodemus. He should have known these things in John chapter 3. Another benefit of going to the fountain of the Lord, verses 1 through 8, having this discernment, having a a love for wisdom in knowledge, verses 9 through 11, uh, is that you will be delivered from evil. Notice Proverbs 2, uh, verses 12 through 15. It says, "...to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways." Solomon is essentially here going to give two examples of how uh, to use New Testament language, how abiding in the Lord will specifically protect you from sin. And again, he's using the, the, the poetic device of teaching his son here. And so these two examples... Uh, apply specifically to young men. But again, there's an application for all of us uh, because only young men aren't the only ones who fall into the trap of following the wrong group of friends or fall into the trap of, as we'll see in the following verses, uh, adultery and following uh, after the verse 16 strange woman, if you will. So uh, these two examples, friends leading you astray and a uh, immoral woman leading you astray. Two very pertinent examples for young people, but we can all take away uh, application from it, certainly. So as we abide in the Lord... Trust in him moment by moment. Trust in his word. Confess our sins to him. Pray to him. We're abiding in him. Then we can be have this deliverance from those who would lead you astray. It's very obvious that Solomon uh, learned this from his father, who is David. David was the author of Psalm 1 uh, that we read last week in our call to worship before the church service. Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Notice this one, this Psalms also poetry. He says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law he meditates day and night. Uh, Again, it's a very similar concept, being led astray by sinners. If we abide, essentially, is what is being said, then we will bear fruit. That's the way it works in... uh, 
in agriculture, that's the way it works in the spiritual life, according to Jesus in John 15. Now, some, some uh, branches are going to bear really uh, fantastic fruit because they're in solid ground. They've uh, been well prepared. Other branches, kind of like the trees in my yard, the fruit's not so great uh, <laughs> because they aren't tended to quite as well as they should be. Uh, the, it's kind of the same way in the Christian life. Some people bear big, giant, wonderful, uh, juicy apples, and other people uh, aren't bearing quite as nice uh, apples in their, in their life. But it, and it has to do with the level of abiding most of the time. Sometimes it has to do with the fact that this, that this tree is a brand new tree. And it's still just kind of growing and learning. Same thing with Christians. Uh, and, but it, it, in large measure, it has to do with certainly in mature or people who have been Christians for a while, we'll put it that way, uh, it has more to do with their level of abiding and whether or not they are doing it the sort of fruit that they are bearing. So notice we're given something to watch out for here in, in choosing our friends and choosing the people that we take counsel from uh, using the Psalm 1 language, the kind of people that we hang around. Notice, notice what these uh, evil people do. Uh, they delight in doing evil, it says there. Uh, well, for, starting in verse 12. Verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. So if you want to, want to uh, kind of have a guide as to uh, whether or not I should hang out with this person, listen to him talk. What do they talk about? Are they talking about perverse things? Oh, that might be a good person to to avoid as far as uh, intimate friendship goes, if you will. Verse 13, uh, we can watch what they do. What are their actions? Verse 13, uh, it will deliver us from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness. Well, that, it, that's sort of obvious. Is this person doing things that are, that are ungodly, immoral? We ought to avoid them. Again, in terms of, of friendship and, and intimate friendship, we don't necessarily have to shun them. You could, you could be a, a witness to that person if you have, have the opportunity. Uh, but they, these people also delight in doing evil. They rejoice in the perversity of evil. Pay attention to what makes these people happy. What are they joking about? What are they... Uh, what do they, you know, if we're at work on Monday morning, what do they talk about? They did all through the weekend. And are they laughing and joking about things that are obviously immoral? Uh, so that gives us a good indication of whether or not we ought to be hanging out with these people, if you will. And also, oh, by the way, don't be like that. Another application for us, not only avoid those people, uh, but don't be like them. Notice also 
that not only are we delivered from uh, those who would lead us astray, evil men, but we're also delivered from the strange woman in this regard. Verse 16, to, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So, uh, and we'll leave it there with that. Uh, That's not supposed to be there. There we go. Uh, Deliverance from the evil woman. She is an adulterer, it says there in verse 16. She is a flatterer. What is flattery? Well, it's telling you what you want to hear. Some people are genuinely nice and give you a compliment about something. Other people, it can be rather obvious that they're just trying to give you flattery, telling you what you want to hear to lead you astray, especially as a young man. Uh, You can be easily led astray as someone tells you, uh, particularly a woman tells you what you want to hear. Yeah, I always kind of thought I was pretty great. And you, the appealing to sin is appealing to your ego, and it leads you, leads you astray, and in fact, leads you to death. Verse eighteen: uh, For her house sinks down to death, and her tracks lead to the dead. None. Verse nineteen: None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. That ought to get our attention. None who go to her return again. She leads to death, both spiritually, it leads to death. I'm not saying that if you're a Christian and you go to this strange woman, you've now lost your salvation. Of course, I'm not saying that. Uh, However, as a Christian, you can still be in terms of your sanctification, spiritually dead. You can be completely separated from God in your walk in this life, accomplishing absolutely nothing. Like James said, your faith is dead when it's separated from good works that can only be done while we are abiding in Christ, then your faith is dead. It's not accomplishing what God wants it to accomplish. And if you are going To the strange woman, biblical term, yeah, your spiritual life is dead. And it can also lead to physical death in this regard, particularly as this woman is is termed an adulteress. uh, If she's married or with someone, uh, it's going to make the other guy pretty upset and you could end up dead very likely because of that. The Lord has a way to uh, work out circumstances in people's lives as we are uh, on the wrong path. A lot of times he gets our attention one way or another to correct us. And if we just disregard that and keep going, uh, the the messages, if you will, get more and more uh, intense. And as it says in 
as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that some of the Corinthians were dead because of their sin, physically had died because of the, the consequences of their sin. And if you're a woman sitting in the audience or listening, you know, you can, there's a lot of times that, that we can it kind of get this attitude of, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't know, this isn't directed to me. So I have no, no need to even pay attention to this. Well, don't be like her is a good application to take away from that. If you're a young woman or an older woman, it doesn't matter. Anybody can fall into sin. Don't be an adulteress. Don't flatter men uh, for illicit purposes, if you will. Uh, don't be the woman who leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. You know, marriage is, is exactly that. It is a covenant between you, uh, your wife or your husband and God. And it is a uh, promise to, to last forever. You're, that's what marriage is. You're standing before a group of people and before a holy God and saying, I, I'm going to be married forever. This woman is forgetting that. And uh, don't be like that. Uh, don't be a person who leads other people to spiritual death. It's a, it's a, a, that's a good path to be on uh, as, as a woman, as, as obviously. So with that, uh, let's just leave it right there and we will save destined for glory uh, for next time because that is kind of a, that's a big topic. There's some, some pretty big concepts there in the last three verses that I'd like to give it its, its full attention. Verse 20 says, So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it, it says there. So there is a there is a reminder to us that this book of Proverbs is very Jewish. It's very, uh, very much written for the Israelites. And there's a warning there to them about uh, essentially walking with the Lord and the results of walking with the, being with the Lord or going against the Lord and his, for the Israelites specifically, his law and what the consequences of that will be. And so we'll spend some time in that next time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book of Proverbs that is so very uh, so very relevant to us. It gets right to the very heart of the matter of our relationship with you, uh, specifically as believers. And I just pray that you would be with each one of us as we uh, walk through this world, I pray that you would help us to remember these things. I pray that you would help us to remember to go to you and to your word as the well of knowledge and wisdom for us. And, and we just thank you that you will deliver it to us. I pray that you would help us to abide in you, remind us of these truths every moment of the day because our minds are easily distracted and... Uh, 
perhaps even as a consequence of living in this time that we do, our attention spans are even shorter uh, now than they used to be. And I just pray that you would help us to be fully concentrated on you and your word as we uh, go through this world uh, and just help us to abide in you and bear fruit for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.